less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. Tammy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I know that you've listened to a couple of the episodes for the Cash Flow Contractor, and we're all about less stress, more time, and more money for contractors. And I know that that's a big message that you have for a lot of the contractors that you guys work with in ASAOK. Uh, yes, we're all about working smarter, not harder. Exactly. And what's ASAOK stand for? American Subcontractors Association of okay. Oklahoma. Okay. Very nice. So you're a subunit of a national organization, is that right? Yes, that is correct. Okay. Awesome. Well, there's there's a lot to talk about before ASAOK, right. but we'll come back to that. Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do now? And uh, then we'll go backwards from there. Okay. Well, believe it or not, I started out as a roofing contractor. Um, commercial, like residential, both? Commercial. Okay. Um, not really what every little girl dreams of as a, <laughs> as a child to become a roofing contractor, but that's kind of how my life went, and it's worked out well for me. Um, but I, I went to college to be a teacher. And so I went to do my student teaching and realized pretty quickly that that probably wasn't the career path for me. Fortunately, it was a business teaching degree, and so I took the first job that I could find and I ended up being a secretary for a company here in Oklahoma City, and they um, sold a product that put, that they were, our niche market in the roofing industry was putting a sloped metal roof over a flat roof. Okay. And this company had the product that put the, that made the pitch in between the flat roof and the metal roof. Put up the joists and rafters. Right. Structure to hold it. A framing system, yes. And so I ended up uh, learning that, and I kind of started there as secretary and moved my way up and just kind of learned everything there was to learn and got ready to leave there and didn't know what I wanted to do still, but um, realized that I, I knew a lot of different things about business. I had done a lot of accounting, but I wasn't a CPA. I'd done a lot of marketing but I really couldn't go out and find a marketing job and management and so I kind of realized then that I kind of was an entrepreneur and that's kind of what I wanted to do so tell me a little bit more about that transition so go back you said teacher you went mm -hmm. to school to be a teacher and then what was it like choosing to work at the as a roofing contractor well I don't know if it I chose it or it chose me I mean I like I said I just took a, a job to I wanted to stay in Oklahoma City, and I needed a job, and so. But you didn't decide to go teaching. You said no. I'm gonna. I, yeah, I did my student teaching and realized that was okay, not gotcha. a career path for me. Okay. I was 21. The kids were 18, and. And so you took the secretary position. You said. I took the secretary position. And what do you think? How big was the company? Just on. It was small. Pretty small. small. Yeah. Okay. Maybe four or five employees. And so you think that because you were secretary, you kind of got to see all the different areas because it was a small company? I did, and I, I, I made the decision that I was going to learn everything there was to learn there. Okay. I, I was going to make that point if you didn't. That, yeah. Uh, a lot of people an opportunity to learn, or in a position that they can learn and grow, and it, we, you do it with intent, and it happens. I mean, that's a perfect story. Yeah, I used to come in at 7.30 in the morning when, and meet with the estimator, and he would teach me estimating, and I just wanted to learn. I knew I wasn't going to be a secretary my whole life, and so... and. Back then, I guess I'm kind of telling my age, secretary was truly a secretary where you, mm. I mean, it, it was a lot different than it is today. And so yeah. I was the 
everybody called in. So I knew all the customers. I kind of got to know them. Yeah. And, and it, it was a different... I think that's a good point um, that we kind of see is as soon as, you know, contractors grow, as soon as they become big enough to where they aren't answering the phones and they Mm -hmm. aren't on the phone systems, they kind of lose connection with their customers and who they are and what their needs are and, you know, what those conversations are, the pain points, all those different things. And they're focused so much on the business that from a marketing standpoint, from a messaging and sales standpoint, they lose sight of all those things. But as secretary you're getting to see how things are done because you're, you're the one answering the phone. You get the customer complaints. I really complaints. saw the whole process of yeah. the business. And, and the owner and, and my, my bosses really didn't even realize how much I was hearing and seeing, just talking to the customers. And mm-hmm. we had, so I learned a lot through that. And, and until, until you left, that's when they realized it. <laughs> well, I tell you what, it's hard to start at a company as a secretary. I They did promote me, and I grew up a lot there. And, I mean, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without them. So. Mm. But you always have that. You you started as the secretary, and that's how they see you. So it's really you got that hard. chip on your shoulder. It's really difficult. That's really, that's to, really telling because that is um, that's a, a drawback. Mm-hmm. It uh, kind of is. You know, I mean, and not, not me just to you, to the, to the owners. To not but, realize yeah, what they it's had. just really hard to to become. They always still see you as that little secretary mm-hmm. that started. You know, it's just. Yeah. I say that. I mean, I moved up in the organization, and what I'm, were some of the roles that you moved into uh, from secretary? If you well, moved they up? actually gave. I I ended as they. My title was president, but okay. I don't know that it was. But you're that little secretarial president. Yeah, she's so, I don't know that she's it's so cute. <laughs> yeah, and it was. Um, I don't know. They just kind of. I, I say that I was I would call myself as operational manager on a daily basis I didn't yeah. have the final say though so I wouldn't how many it. steps were there just because I, I know that not everybody that's listening is a contractor owner of their business some of them might be the secretary or someone who's a manager right now and wants to move up how many roles do you feel like you had oh I moved yeah I moved into accounting that was kind of what I thought okay. I wanted to do so I kind of moved into that and then oh probably marketing I mean then I had a Mm-hmm. A guy in there that kind of helped me and taught me the marketing side of it and the sale, more sales than marketing. Yeah. Um, and then management. I mean, I moved kind of through all the stages and got a little bit of experience in all. That's why I said I felt like I had a lot of experience in a lot of areas. But I, when I went to look for a job, I thought, well, what am yeah, I? Yeah. What? Do you, how do you categorize? I mean, you know, yeah. I, I had, you know, my earnings had had gone up to a good level, and I didn't want to start over. And I mean, right. if I went back as an because I didn't have the credentials to be a CPA. I didn't have the credentials to be. Mm. Um, so I felt like it was hard for me to. That's. I ended up going out into an outside sales position. But right then I knew. That's when I knew I wanted to do something on my own. But you're, just, yeah. you're just hitting every point. Even earlier when you talked about the things you learned. What we talk about on cash flow contractors for our four areas of business. Guiding the business, getting the business, doing the business, and administering the business. And you just hit them all. You said you paid attention to accounting. You said you were paying attention to marketing. You said management, which is kind of the operations. Uh, so, and that's the leadership part of management. It's mm-hmm. every part of it. And then you raise another great point, one that I've experienced over the years. You have all this experience, but you don't have credential that qualify you to be an accountant right. or to be a marketing, start a marketing company, but you've got experience. 
So I had a little knowledge in all the areas, right. which I think is kind of what an entrepreneur is. You know, yeah. I, we didn't have entrepreneurial degree, degrees when I was in college, or I think I probably would have went down that path, but um, that wasn't an option. So I got uh, a question for you, and this might be a little bit harder, but um, there's probably contractors out there right now that have that office manager or that operations person that was probably at your level. What could have that? What could that company have done to keep keep you around? Um, was there anything that could have done as far as giving you more autonomy, giving you more responsibility to maybe keep you around? Or is it now I just got to go on my own? Because oh, I know that for, for some contractors, they have that role. And if they lose it, they're, they're toast. toast. They're gone. <laughs> like they don't realize how valuable that asset is. Um, I don't know if there was anything. I mean, I was ready to move on. I think I knew I wanted to do something. Yeah. I didn't want to work for someone. I think I knew I was going to be. Um, if they, I think I knew I wanted to start my own business. If they would have uh, approached you and said, um, hey, we recognize that you have what it takes to start your own business and we think you have that desire. We want to be like a partner with you, a minority partner even, and help finance you and get you started. Would you have taken that opportunity, mm, you think? Probably would have, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I Some, sometimes it's just understanding what really the desires are and the opportunities there. Um, but anyways. We've got a, uh, an episode coming up in the future titled The Evolution of a Business Owner, and you're just laying it out perfectly. <laughs> you know, you're working as a secretary. I did air quotes. Can't see that. Yeah. You're working as a secretary, but you're learning, 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 and that's part of the, that's one of the steps that yeah. prepares you. And then, then we go on with your story, but yeah, you're just going right down the road. Right. Have you always been someone who approaches something that they have no experience, no knowledge of, and believe that you could do it? Yes. Do you yeah. think that is a characteristic? You have? I'm motivated by challenge, and so mm. that's part of the challenge is, you know, learning something and, you know, I knew nothing about roofing. Yeah. I learned a lot. I mean, I did once I started working for the, the company and, and learned the product. And so I had the product knowledge and um, I had all the no the product knowledge. I felt like I knew how to estimate. I knew how to all that kind of thing stuff, but I didn't know the install side. That's mm -hmm. when, um, so I, I, I had gone out and I was an outside salesperson. And so I met one of my customers said, you know, I'm tired of this business. You need to take it over. I'm like, I don't know anything about the, the customer was side. tired. Of yeah, the he business. was ready to move on, do other things, and um, he's like, "You need, to, you need." And I, I didn't know anything about the install side. I knew yeah. I felt like I had the product side. And I knew how to do that, but now we're getting into a whole nother. Why is that? Why didn't you know the install side? Because the company I worked with was just a supplier. It was uh, a, a product supplier. Gotcha, gotcha. They didn't install, so we sold to. The, the contractor so I you know I knew a little bit about it but I I was really scared of it because I mean I, you heard the horror stories of getting help and trying to find you know yeah. people and um, so uh, he he talked me into it and he said don't you know anybody that can that can help you with this and so I drug my brother in so that's <laughs> nice. how that well all this uh, this guy whoever owned the company was a good had a good eye for talent yeah right well, I'd like to think so yes. yeah so, so let me make sure I understand you were working at a roofing supply company um, moved from secretary all the way to operations manager then 
you went and worked for one of the customers of the roofing supply company? No, I actually left the supply and went to another supply company. Oh, another supply company. Outside salesperson. Outside for an outside sales for another for supply another company. Another supplier that did the same thing, a competitor. Okay, gotcha. And then one of the customers of that supply company approached you. One of you. the subcontractors that I was selling to. Right. Said, hey, you know, why don't you, are you interested in, in owning your own business or, you know, why don't you take over my business? So did he did he remain in the business or did he just sell to you? He he sold to us. We didn't actually buy his company. We bought some of his assets and he helped us get started on our own. But we took over his warranties, that kind of stuff. That's and what his customer was list. And, he, yeah, so we yeah. got his customer list and and mainly his you know in the roofing business you have to give warranties and he didn't want to leave a bunch of outstanding warranties and gotcha. so we we took over those. How long did he stay around to help you guys? <laughs> yeah, that was the funny thing because he asked. I said, well, you know, my brother doesn't know anything about this either. And so uh, he says, well, I'll hire him and he can work with us for about a year and I'll teach him the ropes and we'll go, you know, y'all can take over. And I was like, okay. And about three months later, he was, he was out. <laughs> Man. So, that, yeah, he, now I say he was out. He, he let, we started our own, but yeah. he helped us. He was a great mentor yeah. through the whole thing. Okay. So gotcha. he, he Did you uh, actually pay him for his company? Um, you don't have to say any numbers or anything. But. No, we actually just bought equipment, so we okay, didn't okay. have to buy. But he got he got some kind of cash buyout. You yes. Just did. Well, sort of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We didn't. He he just wanted out, so we bought his equipment. He wanted out responsibly. Mm-hmm. And so that was here in Oklahoma City. It was. Okay, so you 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 started. What's the the roofing metal roof contractors? Metal roof contractors. Mm-hmm. So you basically take over. Um, well, we started. Okay, he he was under another name. And oh, so we okay. actually started Metal Roof Contractors. So really, you My just brother. bought his assets and started a new company. That's exactly gotcha. right. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. And so, yes. What was like the first thing you did? Like you're getting start, you're getting started here. You're new business owner. What what was the first thing you went and did? Try to sell work. Get get jobs. I mean, we had to get. And he, that's another thing. He gave us our first job. He was in the middle of one. He let us finish it out. And so, um, a that was our cash flow. Yeah. So we had. And he gave us like six months to pay our first, pay our first, he did a balloon payment of gotcha. the equipment. So we had six, gave us a job, gave us six months. So we had six months to make the money to make our first payment. And did you have any capital of your own to begin with or is it all off that first job? We had very little. We had a little bit. Sweat we had equity. A bit. Not so, very much. So we worked out of our house. Um, yeah. We had a pickup. I mean, it was, <laughs> we were really the true... I'd, I would sell a job. My brother would, you know, he had a crew and he would get it installed. And I, we couldn't sell another one because we only had one crew. So I would deliver materials <laughs> and all kinds of things. So it was, it was what interesting. Were, what were the biggest started. challenges for you guys back then? Uh, help, trying to find uh, help. And then, um, you know, as we grew, we added on crew. So it, it was always help. And yeah. just for roofing contractors, were they employee crews or were they subcontractor crews? Mostly employee crews. We tried, We did run some sub crews throughout the years. We had a couple subs that kind of would, you know, when we were high peak times. But we ran probably four or five of our own crews. Oh, wow. As employees. Which as is, employees. I don't know about commercial, but that's pretty unusual in residential. Yes, very unusual. Yeah. It doesn't happen in residential. Yeah. But commercial. Commercial, you see it? You do. Yeah, see you have it. to hold the talent together and keep the good quality guys. So how did you guys approach hiring? Like, how did you guys find crews if that was your biggest challenge? <laughs> I could tell a funny story. It's kind of embarrassing. But 
so we got our first we we got a, a really good foreman and um i think he was just a somebody knew him type deal and yeah. it worked out and we sent him on a, a we were breaking him off to start his own crew and we sent him to a job in McAllister and told him to go to the local whatever uh unemployment, unemployment or office. You, yeah. yeah unemployment office and told him to hire the first 10 guys that showed up and he's like but i only need like three and we said hire the first 10 guys you should be lucky up. to get two and uh yeah so i mean we did that we struggled with that for a long time i mean we got some dandies but um yeah then over the years it just got better i guess we got more well known and friends of friends and yeah how long kinda, before you started feeling like uh out of the panic mode and i'm not saying that you were panicked but those are we going to make it and hand to mouth till you started feeling like hey this is going to work we got a business and well i'm 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 that person that doesn't feel like i'm ever going to fail so i never there, had that i just ooh, i like that i yeah. just i we we're going to do whatever it took to make it work so i guess yeah. i don't know that i ever felt that way okay excellent now back to because i know the the hiring is not just you know for commercial roofers it, it challenges for a lot of contractors what how did you keep the good employees that you had? Like maybe that foreman you said, did you keep him for a long time? Was He's it, still oh, there. Okay, He's that's still great. There. So how, how do you do that? How, did, uh, how do you approach that? Well, we treat them, we, I, that's very important to us is to treat them right. We you know, have good benefits and we just take care of them. I mean, try to figure out what their needs are, you know? Yeah. Um, it's hard because in the roofing, they're, they're away from their families. A lot of our jobs yeah. were rural areas. We worked Oklahoma, but we worked the whole state. So they may be gone five days a week. Yeah. Um, we tried really hard never to make them work on weekends. Family's important to us, so we want, you know, it was important to them. Um, we just tried to, to know what their needs were and try to meet them. And That's really good. I, I think, and I, I assume you're talking about not just professional needs, but personal needs too. Sure. Because yeah. I think so many times working with employees, you, you have to really be invested in who they are, not just what they do for you. And that's where people mess up is they think, oh, well, I, I provide a good salary and benefits. Well, that, that's great, but that's not everything, you know. Sometimes it's being able to, you know, be there for the soccer game on the weekend for the kids, right. you know, and making sure that they never miss that. You know, so those little things, that those little needs really help people feel that you care about who they are, not just about what they do for you. And Absolutely. I, I and I think important. that's important. That's why I said we kind of see what their needs are. And they're Respecting different with every, people, yeah. you know, different. And they became part of our team. I mean, mm -hmm. like I said, he's still there today. Um, and he's working under a different owner. But, I mean, he's... Yeah. We, we've had good, good success with keeping our key employees. Were you ever worried about um, other contractors or roofing contractors stealing away your employees? Yeah, and they tried. They tried. They tried. And and were they successful? Um, I don't know. I I mean, we've done pretty well at keeping our our key employees. I'm sure some have left and went other places, but right. our key employees we pretty well kept. And that's I think that's you know something that I always hear from contractors, like literally. Whenever we do marketing for contractors, they're worried about us posting pictures of some of their employees or like really? highlights of some of their employees because like a competitor is going to see that post and then they're going to want to contact them and hire them away. And that may be true, but it does happen. Yeah, but does happen. my belief is that, man, if you can build a company that people don't want to leave, 
then you're going to find people that you're going to hire people that are going to be really great people. You know. uh, and I think that's one thing that we did really well. We we developed a culture yep. uh, within our organization that that I believe people like. I mean, it's proven because I mean we didn't have a lot of turnover in our yeah. in our we don't have a lot of turnover in our our in our labor force really, but especially in our key key personnel. Like I Let said, me most of the foremen that I had when I worked there are still there with a the new owner. That's awesome. And that was important to me. That was part of our deal. Respect and personal. Let me, uh, because it's come up with a number of my clients over the last three or four uh, weeks, terminating employees. One of the hardest things people ever, owners have to do. Have you ever had to terminate people and what was your philosophy on that? Well, I really dislike terminating people. I mean, I think if you ever enjoy it, you've got something wrong with right. you. I, even when they deserve it. I mean, it's still hard for me. I, don't, I mean, yeah. they have families to feed. I mean, it's hard. Um, you know, the hardest ones are the ones that just aren't a fit for the position. They work hard. They try hard. They come every day. And they're just not the, the right fit. And, and So you do know. you keep them around or do you finally do it? That's that's <laughs> that's kept, exactly what's going on. I've kept them around too long, I'll be honest. And that's I mean, exactly what's going on uh, too. You, you, I have. I mean, um, I don't like to terminate people. But, I mean, I've had to terminate those people. I mean, at some point you just have to do it. And it's, it's difficult. The ones that, you know, deserve it or do something wrong, steal from you or something like that. Even those are hard, but you, you, you know you have to do it. And, and those are easier, but they're still difficult um that's probably wasn't one of my strengths is, is I, I don't i don't like i don't like um firing people i mean nobody does uh and i did keep people around longer than i should have but what made you, you know, and, and we'll get off this topic but it's just so totally germane right now what caught when you finally decided you had to do it one of those nice people who just isn't a fit and doesn't right. have maybe the horsepower to do the job what finally triggers and you say you know i've got to do this I just think one day you just had enough and you, I mean, you know, in your mind for weeks or months or years or whatever. And then one day it just triggers it. that for me, that's what I mean. Um, you know, we talk about it. My brother and I talk about, you know, we've got, it's time, it's time. And then one day I'd come down and say, I did it. And he'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, I mean, he went just because something would just trigger it that day. And I just would finally. Right. It'd just be the last straw, I guess. And it wouldn't even be anything major. It'd just be, yeah. Yeah. just knew it was time. Yeah. Well, I don't want to dwell on that because that's kind of a downer side, but I know that everybody who's been in business any length of time, and if they're good people, has to deal with that issue of firing people. And hard. most everybody, matter of fact, everybody I know, including me, keeps them around too long. Yep. And once it costs the company, it, I will say... Um, when you postpone it, you're postponing. Let's say it's, you put it off for 90 days. You're delaying by 90 days. You are getting the right person. You're delaying by 90 days. That person finding the correct fit. So it's always tough, but yeah, it's when you know they got to go, you just finally got to do it. That's that's a difficult yeah. Yeah. for everybody, I think. I think uh, something that I want to last thing I guess for this uh, this aspect of it, but you talk about culture there at the end that you were really intentional about that. What does that look like for you? How are you intentional about culture and really making sure that the values you have were implemented into the into the company? Um, I think mainly it's just being in the construction industry, there's so many times I hear that I, you know, the guys would be, you know, 
they're not looking for solutions. I mean, you're going to have problems on job sites. And, you know, I'd hear my, you know, fighting between them and nobody looking for an answer, just wanting to fight, point fingers. And that's just something that wasn't acceptable, uh, acceptable to me because, you know, that's not a solution that I was okay with. Yeah. And I think that, and they just, they, they're the, they are the um, face of the business. They're out there um, with the yeah. owner. They're out there with the, I, it's not me. I'm not the one out in the field. They're, those guys are the ones wow. out in the field. And they knew that that was part of their employment, that they better be professional, handle yeah. things professionally. And I think we did it. So, I mean, I think they learn from examples. I think yeah. that that's one of the things that we were really... I mean, we treat them well. We wanted them to treat our customers well, that type exactly. of thing. Um, and that goes all the way from your people out in the field to your drivers. I mean, you know, now in, in our retail business, you know, I tell them that's... <laughs> sometimes that's the only person the customer sees outside of a salesman is their driver. Yep. And it's so important for all those... They're all salesmen. Everybody in your company is a salesman, whether they want to believe it or not. Yep. And the image that they portray is so important to your reputation in your in your business. I mean, if you have a, a driver that's just a, a hard guy to get along with and, you know, won't help or, you know, whatever, really they don't want to buy from you. I mean, yep. they don't, you don't understand. I mean, so I think that was the culture that, you know, we are customer service driven. We treat the customer right. We don't, we treat everybody right. I mean, we don't, we're not going to, if there's a problem, we're going to try to look for a solution, not mm-hmm. a fight, that type of thing. And I know because I've talked to you, you, you can articulate those things. Uh, for a lot of people, the culture is just naturally who they are, the boss. Yeah, and, it is. And, but it's, I think, and that is the foundation of it. It's hard to be a culture of something that you're not actually. Yeah, it's not possible. But to articulate the things that matter to you and communicate them to your crew uh, yeah. is important for most, most businesses because reorient, let new people know. But then you have to live it out. Yeah, right. you have yeah. to. I mean, you can't just say like, you know, write five words down and say these are my values, but you don't actually spend any time, energy, or resources on those values yourself. Um, people are going to notice, like, hey, boss isn't doing this. Why do I need to do it? But I think really what, what you've really touched on is not just culture, but the intersection of culture and what I call brand. You know, people think of branding as maybe a logo uh, whenever they hear that. But really, branding is whatever your customer sees your company as not just a logo yeah they see your logo but they see the driver they see the salesperson that's the brand that's the image of your company and you don't get to define it uh for your customer you can do your best by showing up on time by being professional in your manners by finding solutions and not complaining all these different things but ultimately your customer has to recognize that you can't just tell them this is who we are right they have to feel it they have to feel it and i think that's you know, I'm not sure how we actually did it, but that's one of the things, I mean, I'm a big relationship person too, so I mean, we mm. do a lot of relationship, yeah. I mean, and I wanted those guys to, to know the owners and to know the people, but I'm, I got so many compliments on our crews just because they were professional and they were yeah. trying to take care of of the yeah the job rather than just, you know, point fingers and that's amazing. trouble. Or, so, um, yeah, you. How long are you with this company? How how long did you stay with this? The metal metal roofing. Metal roofing. Metal roofing. Metal roofing. Seventeen, eighteen years. Oh wow. really? Okay. Yeah. So um, 
at 17, 18 years along, maybe before then, you you exited, is that right? Well, I, yes, we sold. You sold at the company. Sold the company yes. What talk us through that process of just like what got you to that point of like okay, we need to sell. Um, what was that decision like? Well, at that by that time, I had started running the contracting side, and my and we had opened the retail side, the metal store. Okay, well maybe let's back up. How, what caused you to open up the retail side? Well, so we got to the point where we wanted. Control. I'm a control freak a little bit. So I'll be honest. We wanted more control, uh, so we started fabricating our own trims and our own mm. building everything because you know we were on job sites. We couldn't get the materials we needed and that kind of stuff. And so uh, we started fabricating our own stuff. And so we bought the equipment, and it just kind of grew a little bit more and more. And it got to the point we needed uh, two guys in the to just handle our own stuff yeah. but it, we needed them there all the time so they could we weren't shut down in the field but it wasn't a eight hour a day job right. and so mm. here we had these guys we needed but yet we didn't have enough for them to do and so that's when we started trying to sell, sell to other customers and outside yeah. sources and so were you supplying all of your materials or almost all like a majority of your materials that you were installing the majority of them, yes. We manufactured our roof panels on site. and wow. um, Not screws and hinges, probably. <laughs> uh, we bought out screws. But we yeah. stocked those, so we still yeah. just went and got them out of the warehouse rather than having to wait on somebody to deliver it to us and yeah. stuff like that. You know, it's so interesting. This is the fourth time that I've heard of a contractor scratching their own itch by supplying themselves mm -hmm. with, like, maybe they're making their own materials. They're like, we can do this better, uh, whatever it is, and then saying, you know what? Other people have this itch too. Let's go sell to them. Um, Jeff with Ultimate Cabinets would be one, mm -hmm. um, and we'll have him on in a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's just so interesting to see that. So, mm -hmm. so what year in in the grand scheme of the metal roofing contractors company did you guys start the retail side? I probably I don't know. We we're probably ten years into it. Ten years, maybe. So, and I don't know. Uh, growing the retail side because that's a little bit different um, totally different so tell us the differences between the two uh, you're kind of going back into what you started in almost with the supply company right yeah but I wasn't the financer on that yeah. <laughs> so right I exactly really quick I thought I had learned a lot you know um, Growing the contracting business, you just bought, I mean, it was pretty easy to know when to buy another piece of equipment or to buy mm -hmm. uh, something else because you, you had could the see yourself, I mean, you knew you were, it was easy because that piece of equipment was going to make you money right. because you were going to put it in, I mean, you're basically selling time in a way because it's how many jobs you can get done in a, right. mm -hmm. I mean, if you can sell them, you got to get them finished. And so um, it was really easy. Now... In the retail side, I mean, then you're, you get into inventory. I oh, mean, yes. you have it's a whole new ballgame. I mean, so you're doing manufacturing. You have to have a ton of cash flow in the contracting side to keep growing. Well, they match the expense that you had, and the cost of labor and materials kind of lined up with the revenue that was going to exactly. come in, even though and it might be sixty it. days. You could see it was easy. Yeah, but now. Do I need those panels in stock, or they get somebody need them today or not? Yeah, if and it, it's, you if you just, said no, then they're mad at you, and if you yeah, said if you yes, don't have they it, didn't you can't it. sell it. But then right. if you can't, you can't stock everything. So it's been a real challenge, and you know it's taken us. And I wouldn't say we still know exactly. We're a lot better today than we were, but I mean it's hard to know what people are gonna. I mean it's it's a 
keeping your inventory is a hard, hard deal for us. I, mean, I, I just want to mention in, in that book that I handed you, The Profit Problem, that we talk about every time because I do shameless plugs on it. That I, <laughs> I talk about inventory and a lot of contractors, they go, oh, she's talking about manufacturing, I don't have inventory. But you go look in their shop, you go look in their trucks, mm -hmm. you go look at the job sites, and they got a quarter million dollars worth of stuff out there, and they don't have any of it on their books, and they don't even know where it is. And they go buy another part that they've already got because they didn't realize they had one sitting under that box. Inventory is a monster, even that if you're not. That's so true. Even if you're not uh, retail or sales. Yeah, because yeah, it's left over from another job, so it's already expensed out. So right. you don't have it on your books, just like you said. Right. So you can't. Tra you're not tracking it. And, but you've overstated. You you've understated you your profit because you expensed it against that last job, but you didn't use it. Right. It's something you still own, so you made more. It goes the other way too. Uh, you didn't expense something that you wrote before, so you used all some stuff that was in the truck. Hey, we got all those things. Yeah. So I did real well on this job. Say, no, you didn't. It happens all the time. Yeah, and so they don't really know where they stand. Well, and you don't even think you have inventory as a as a contractor as a contracting side of it. I would, if you'd asked me if I had inventory, I'd have said no. Even though, like you just said, you do. You just don't even realize. We it. have a contractor who was on. He won't care because he mentioned it. Michael Barnett. He did a. Uh, uh, podcast here yeah four just five released. episodes ago but when i first met him we walked out in this six thousand square foot warehouse and it was floor to ceiling and i said you got any inventory he goes no nope. <laughs> <laughs> and i said what do you think that and he was grinning because he knew what but oh probably one hundred fifty thousand easily and not counting his 10 trucks which were piled to the gills with you know gfis that cost 30 bucks a piece well you got 20 of them Ooh. That's a lot of money. But like you said, half the time it's, you don't even know what you have. Yeah, and then you go again. buy more GFIs. Because, right. So, so that's anyway, that's a, that's a great lesson. I'm glad you, you brought up. You had mentioned um, the difficulty with financing the manufacturing side. Maybe kind of walk us through the steps that you guys went through to finance that. Or what you meant by that first and then what you... Sure. Well, like I said, in the contracting side, it was pretty easy to know when to, to take that next step because that, you know, that piece of equipment was just going to buy, you know, you could see that it was going to make you money immediately where the retail side, I mean, you just got to keep so much inventory. You've got to, um, it's just really difficult to know um, when to, when to do some of those or, you know, when to put more inventory on the floor and, and that mm -hmm. type of thing. Um, how did we finance it? We Really, the contracting sides financed it for for several years. Yeah, that's what we, I figured. Yeah, it, it financed it, and um, of course we took a hit over there and yeah. didn't realize what was going. I mean, it, it just kind of happened, I guess. But um, then after we sold it, I think it became even more clear because when we sold it, the the model store was starting to do well, and and that was part. Who of was it. your first customer other than yourself on the uh, retail side? A competitor. Say that again. So, like on the on the retail side, where where you're selling the supplies, who was your first customer other than your own business? Um, no, it wasn't. A, it was just others. <clears throat> we were in such a niche market uh -huh. that we didn't have very many competitors. To be honest with you, there was only two or three people who did what we did in, in okay. the state, and so there was a lot of other roofing contractors that were Need that were you know building the fast food chains you see metal little mm -hmm. you know metal on and all that kind of stuff so there's a lot of those kind of guys okay. flat roofers we do a lot of flat trim for them um, they still have gutters downspouts so that's the kind of things we build and gotcha and so we, we do a lot of those so mainly 
but not a lot of competitors. So how did you how did you find those people? How did you find your customers for the retail side? Uh, <laughs> good question. I mean, we just. Um, you know, we started out, well, you'll think this is crazy too. And this kind of started out really slow. We were doing it with metal roof contractors and we really didn't, I can't remember what year that we actually built a, a building that looked like a retail building that gotcha. people can come to. We have a counter. I mean, for you, we were kind of doing it out of the warehouse for gotcha. a few years. And so, um, we advertise. I mean, we advertise. Uh, in the beginning, it was just probably word of mouth and just. Um, sure. But when we really set up, we did a direct mail piece. To be honest with you, we did. Okay. A, um, we just sent it out to all everybody that we kind of knew and told them we were there, and then. Yeah. Uh, we did some open houses, and now we we're on the radio. Uh, yeah, I saw you on TV. the football game. I texted we're you. We're on TV. Oh, you football game. TV. You were a commercial. Yeah, and we do a lot of. Radio What's the name of the company now? The the retail the metal side? store. The metal store. Yeah. Very nice. And where are you guys in Edmond or in Oklahoma City? We are in far north Edmond on Waterloo. Okay, mm-hmm. very cool. So, um, how do you guys? Like, what is your focus as far, as far as finding customers now? You guys are advertising. Is it, what's your, like, strategy with that right now? Well, we have full, I mean, we have salespeople, too. And so okay. they, um, he actually did come from a competitor. So he, 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 he brought a lot of uh, business. business with him. Um, and then we had another guy that's come over from another. Uh, so there's, we got a lot of business that way. So, and that's still important as our, our salespeople, but um, advertising, word of mouth, a lot of it's just people knowing we're there. I mean, I think... Um, the brand awareness. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm you guys are doing some of the radio, some of the other stuff. Right. Just yeah. to people to know we're there. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, um, at what point did you realize that the metal store was the way to go and you didn't want to do the contractor side anymore? You're going to sell. Well, I was at a point that I wanted to do something different. My brother was not. So it kind of worked itself out in that he was running the metal, the retail side. I was doing the contracting side. Uh, so it was easy. I knew that I knew that that was, I was going to want to get out before he did. And so I just kind of had... In my own mind, set this up for a long time. We separated the companies, really uh, separated yeah. the books. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I'm sure that's a whole process in itself, right? It is. It was, but it, I kind of did it from the beginning, and so okay, it wasn't good. that hard. Because I, I knew at some point that might be. That was always in the back of my mind, I guess. We have to let, I have to comment on this. What I do is uh, building a business to exit. We have a, another guy, Larry Hughes, on in another yeah. yeah. Has he been on yet? By the time you're listening to this, he has yeah, already he published. Just so listeners know, goes. we are, real quick, listeners, yeah. we are recording probably three months before this uh, actually publishes. So that's why we're referencing yeah, we other podcasts. we don't know who the president of the United States is, and they've had an election. <laughs> so I'll kind of give you the date. So. Um, but the point that Larry makes, which is just brilliant, is he said, you are going to execute, exit your business. Period. You're going to. Now, how do you want to do that? Yeah, <laughs> you want to go out and go broke? You want to die at your desk? Do you want to maybe sell it and get something from it? Uh, so that's a, another key point, and thank you for bringing it up. You kind of always planned it, um, and we can go into more details of what it takes to plan to exit if we get to yeah. that point. But you planned it. You kind of separated things. He's running one. You're running the other, so it's separable. It's not like it's all jumbled together. You don't right. have any books. You don't know who does what. Yeah, and then you're trying to say, well, let's sell off this part, 
So anyway, thank you for bringing that up. That's a really key point. Would you consider your uh, intent to exit something that was business uh, savvy or intellect, or would you consider it more so your personality of you get tired of things and want to do new things? Kind of like you got an education as a teacher, but then you said, this isn't for me, and you went to secretary, then you grew into operations manager because you weren't you knew you weren't gonna do that. In the same way that you didn't know that you knew you weren't going to be a secretary forever, do you know that you weren't gonna do this forever from the beginning? Yes, I think so. Gotcha. I, you know, the business our business kinda would go, um, and I assume all businesses do this, but you know, you kinda you go in your growth phase and then you kinda plateau and peak out and then you hit another growth you know, you gotta do something different yeah, if to you get intend to, you sure. got you gotta do something you know, you kinda get to the point where you're doing the maximum you can do with the people you have. And so if you want to grow, you've got to add something. You've got to do something right. different. And we had gone through two or three of those, I think. And we were at that another plateau. And I knew for us to take that next step, it was going to be a lot. Um, we were going to have to get into some different, um, oh, what am I trying to say, uh, different products. Yeah. Uh, still roofing related, but... Um, just we different just industries, gonna, different segments. A, yeah, we're gonna have to diversify some of that because the our little niche market um, is still doing well. But I mean, it, it, we just knew we we're gonna have to get into some other things. And I just I don't know that I had the passion anymore. I knew I did not think that I was the person to take it to that next level you anymore. Bringing up another great point, I got to hit on is that the people, an entrepreneur who goes from startup, is a lot of times not the same person who goes through the growth phase, which is seldom the same person who manages well when you've flattened out. Um, it's possible, but you just described, you didn't say you were bored with it, but it's, it's kind of coming really across. Bored, but I knew I wasn't that person. I knew it was The challenge take wasn't more, there. The it wasn't fun, yeah, exciting. Exactly. And I just so you took action to and it. said, then we're, I'm not doing that anymore. I, and I knew that it needed to grow. It had to, it, we had to do a lot of, and, and he did. He, t he got a whole new product line and started He doing being a lot your brother? Uh, he being the the guy that that bought the the oh okay the guy who bought the yeah company. that bought the company I mean he actually put in a new pro and and I knew that's where it needed to go I just didn't want to do it there was a lot of learning uh, new learning of that new process and I just was at a point in my life I didn't want to do it anymore it wasn't yeah. the ch I didn't I knew I wasn't the person to take it to the next level right. so maybe walk us through how you actually exited how did you actually sell well it was important to me that everything kept was intact I had. You know, like I told you early on, the employees that we had, we'd had the whole time. They're the ones that got us there, and I wasn't going to just go sell to anybody that could uh, dismantle the corporate or, you know, or get rid of them or whatever. So it was very, very important to me that everything kept going the way it was or within reason. I mean, you yeah. can't, but to try to keep uh, everything in place and so that my employees wouldn't lose their job. And so I, found a guy that I thought would be a perfect fit and I How did you find him? <laughs> I knew him and it just Okay. I, I threw it out one day. Um, he actually was an engineer and Was he working for you? Was he working at a different company? He was working as an engineer um, designing bridges. And he had the entrepreneur spirit. I saw it. I could. Yeah, I knew he you, did. You could recognize. I, I knew that he wasn't going to be where he. I mean, he wasn't a typical engineer by any means, and I just knew that wasn't. And we just happened to be uh, 
having a drink one day and I threw it out and he, he bit. So it was kind of a... <laughs> so uh, that's really interesting. How did you know him? Like, cause I, I feel like you're making, and maybe it was just that easy, but I feel like it's not that easy to find somebody who has the same cultural fit, the same values, who has the money to maybe do it or the, and the drive to do it, uh, to just already know that person and they don't work for you already. You know, well, maybe I'm just lucky. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe you just were looking all the time. I was because I, I told you, you I had one, that yeah. in the back of my mind for years. So I and I didn't have to leave right then. So it wasn't like I was dying. I wasn't really looking for. I was always looking for the person, but I don't think it was like I was actively not intentional, per, but just pursuing. Kind of pursuing. I mean, it wasn't like I background. was putting out in the market yeah. that we were for sale or anything. So you didn't even use a business broker. Mm-mm. You just kind of did it all yourself. Okay. Good. Well, I had some help from a CPA and a, okay. a, a my attorney and that type without, of thing. Without uh, telling any numbers if we don't have to, but just so people understand briefly, did you get a bunch of money? Did you finance it? Did you get a share of the pro? How did how did the sale? We work? we financed it. And okay. then he paid you out of profits a certain amount, percentage of profits annually till it was paid off. Or he's still paying me. Yeah. Still okay. paying. Some just for tax reasons okay. and stuff. So I, but, I mean, you were sense. happy with. I mean, you made money on it. Mm-hmm. Felt good sure. about it. Okay. You said sure, sure we made money. You hear that? <laughs> sure we made. Well, a lot of people I don't. don't but, say, well, I don't know. I, no, yeah, I'm. I, I'm um, there's a, there's another thing, and I know you're going to talk about it because I'm going to ask you later on when we get to the ASA. But you said something really important in passing. You said I didn't have to sell. Right. Man, that's a big deal you didn't have to what does that mean to you like just just well, like I said out. in the back of my mind I think I knew I was ready to go do something else I, I had the challenge just wasn't there I wasn't motivated like I was in the beginning um, I'm a hands-on person I mean there's two two theories I guess and you know you can hire other people and you can kind of sit back and let them do it and you just, I, I'm not that person I my personality is is that if my name's on the door my reputation's on the line. I'm going to be right in there in the middle of it. Which, you know, I don't know which one's right, which one's wrong. For me, that one's right because that's who I am. Um, it would be hard for me to... So, I I mean, I was working a lot. I, I put in a lot of hours. I'm not that person. I mean, I had to be right in the middle of it. So, um, I wanted out. You know, where a lot of people, they just want to slowly... You know, get other people to take their position, but they stay involved or they stay owners, but they get other, they hire managers and stuff. And that really wasn't me. I wanted, I was, had my thumb on the pulse but, and that's where and the I key, wanted. But the key point is that you didn't have to get out because of financial difficulty or health no. issues or something. No, we were doing You the, got out when the time was right, if we can do it under my terms, right. which is a big, that's right. big deal. And, yeah, and my terms were to keep the people in place yeah. and... And that will go to planning, which is what I said we'll talk about when we get the ASA. I know you're really passionate about that. And honestly, I don't know. If I'd have put it out for sale, maybe I would have made more. But, you yeah. know, I'm not motivated. I, I heard not a, totally motivated by money. I heard a really good um, analogy of this uh, from a guy named Hank, who's a business broker. And so there's three dials. There's You've got the value of your business, the price that you would sell it for. Um, you've got the time frame that you'd like to sell it in. And then you've got your terms, like I want someone who is going to keep our managers, or I want someone right. who's whatever it is. And you can, you know, twist those dials, but you can only twist two of them, and the other one will twist with it. <laughs> so if you really want to sell in two weeks, and you want it to be on your terms, you can the do value. it. But the value is not going to be very high. Good point. 
But if you want to sell for a certain price and you want it to be uh, in the, you know, certain terms, well, you can't, that, you can't control the time on that. It may take you five years, right? Well, and so it's a, it's a really interesting analogy, but you can't, um, you can't control everything. And I think what was nice for you with those dials, you did have your own terms. And you did have, I don't know about price situation, but it sounds like for a long time you wanted to sell, but you had to wait for the right opportunity. Right. Right. And so it sounds like you had to wait on that time dial a little bit, uh, but it ended up working out. Yeah, but I wasn't just, yeah, I knew at one, someday I'd want to sell. It wasn't like I had it. I didn't have a time frame. I wasn't, yeah. Adam and I wanted to sell by this amount. I mean, I just... Yeah. So, I mean, the guy, I mean, the right guy came along. And then I actually, he actually worked for us for a year um, as a project manager because he really didn't know a lot about the business. And so uh, the employees didn't know that we had the, the deal. He went in and, and he kind of got, you know, he, he knew he was going to be taken over. So, I mean, he made relationships with the employees and mm-hmm. did all that well, kind of stuff. And that's really unique. A well-crafted yeah. transition. And it worked. <laughs> It really worked yeah. pretty well, and so when we actually made the transition, everybody was already acclimated with him. It's almost kind of like I had hired him to run the organization or to mm-hmm. to do. But I mean, I, I don't know that they no one saw it that way. So I mean, yeah. but they liked him. He he went in and and did what he needed to do to to get the. So it was an easy transition. I'm just lucky. I think. Yeah. So how I'm <laughs> the curious. The you work, the luckier you get, right? The more planning you do, the luckier. It sounds like you're still connected through relationship to the company. Maybe you're not in the operations, right? But mm-hmm. um, how are things going now since you've left? Has it grown? Has it like, has it had that new spark of like innovation? Maybe. Yeah. He. Yes. He actually, uh, like I said, he brought on a new product line. They do wall panels and. Um, all the employees, I mean, he's got the same employees. He got some new ones. He's brought in some new people. And I, they're doing and what's well. the name of the company? OKC Met- Metal Roof? Metal Roof Contractors. Metal Roof Contractors. We just name our business exactly yeah, well, that's, <laughs> Hey, what a great idea. That's a really people good can marketing. see the name and we understand. We only do metal roofing, so yeah. Yeah. it's Metal Roof Contractors. And he kept the name, and um, we're still in the same building. He rents from our, uh, so he's still offices in our building. And, okay. Um, so we're all still, still buys from the metal store. Still buys from the metal yeah, store. There you go. Is that, a, is that part of the contract? Uh, no, actually, he's just doing it because he gets the he best service. He doesn't have and, to. Yeah, we got to take care of him. So. Yeah, best value. Okay, so what is that transition like for you as a business owner, selling, stepping out of? I know you're still basically running two businesses, but your brother's running the metal store. Yeah, right? I'm not involved in the daily operations of the metal store at okay. all. Okay, I don't even. But know you that. are a part owner. I'm a part owner, okay. and I do payroll and some. Okay. Keep my pulse or my hand in the accounting a little bit, but. Um, gotcha. I, but not on a daily basis. What is that like for you? What was it like for you to transition out of that? Did it? I mean, you. I'm assuming you had all this time back after selling. Is that right or no? Yeah, I was. I was also always had in the back of my mind that I wanted to do the, the. American subcontractors deal. I had been a member of ASA from day one, and it helped me in my business so much. So okay. So what what made you join that in the first place, if you remember? Um, I think my financial guy said this is something you need to do. Uh, okay. He was involved, and he got me involved, and um, that's that's where I started. Oh, I learned so much there. Uh, yeah. From the, them, and so I wanted to. 
it's just something I felt important. I thought was important. I wanted to help other companies do well, I guess. Yeah. So um, it just happened, and again, it was just a timing thing that was the executive director. She left probably. I would. I had sold. So after I sold the company, I did stay on. As a consultant? I, for, I think, a year or close okay. to a year, maybe 10 months, 10 months to a year. All right. Uh, I just had an agreement I'd stay on as long as he needed me, but sure. not forever. So <laughs> we didn't really have... But So he was doing fine, and it came up... Um, the They did had an interim executive director who was out of Texas who actually started the organization years ago, and so I was working with her to help her and kind of was the feet on the ground in Oklahoma. Even kind while of, even while you were at Metal Roofing Contractors? Uh, yes. Okay, And gotcha. then knowing that I would probably take that position once I was... And what year uh, was this? Uh, I don't know, four or five years ago. Four or five years ago, okay. And that's whenever you took over full-time as executive director? Mm-hmm. I think this is my fourth year. I okay. Think. And so those are very different operationally. Like, oh, yeah. Because totally now you're different. planning like meetings and networking events and speakers and uh-huh. you know, uh, and, and it's it's kind of a part time deal. Oh, yeah. It's more you know I work out of my house. I I wanted the freedom. I wanted yeah. to be able to do. So it's a lot. Did you? But I wanted something to do. I wasn't ready to just quit and stay at home. Yeah. Do you ever struggle? Did you struggle at all with the lack of busyness at all? Like no. I don't know. I have this fear of <laughs> I'm really busy right now. And eventually I will slow down and I have a fear that like my mind will just be looking for things to do all the time. Uh, no, I'm no, not that person. Not, not, I, not I, for you? Okay. I, I could have walked away and not, I need something to do. So, I mean, I, I think it's good that I am doing that, but I, I don't, I was done. I was, I was finished and I was done and I don't miss, I mean... I miss some of the people, but I still see them. So I don't really sure, miss sure. them. I don't even miss that. So I don't, I don't miss it. I like the game. I, mm. I, I like the game. Uh, a game of business. The competitiveness. I'm a very competitive person. And so I like, I, I will say I miss that a little bit. I kind of get that a little bit by dealing with uh, other subcontractors. You know, mm-hmm. maybe I can be, you know, so I, I'm still a little in the game. Um, you know, I still have a lot of relationships. I mean, a lot of st- with GCs and architects and stuff. Well, they're part, they can be a part of our organization. Mm-hmm. You know, we work, they're partners with us. So I think the ASA job keeps me in the game, if that, gotcha. a little bit. Not not the bidding game and not that part of the game. I do miss a little of that, but not really. Gotcha. I was ready. I think when, if you're ready to be done, you're done. Yeah. I was ready. So tell us about ASA OK. What is what is ASA OK? I know you kind of said it at the beginning, but remind us, uh, American Subcontractor Association of Oklahoma. What do you guys do? So what we do is we tr- to promote. <clears throat> we try to uh, make companies better business people. We try to um, we we're a three-legged stool. We have education, we have networking, and we have advocacy. Okay. And so we provide a lot of education. Um, when I first got in there, there I didn't even know what I didn't know. I mean, you don't as a as a young uh, business owner. There's a lot of things you don't even know. I mean, you don't understand like contract. One of the things that I learned 
I was signing, when we first started our business, we were kind of a prime contractor, and so we were, our contracts were, contracts were with the owner. But the market changed over time, and we started having to um, go through general contractors, and so now our contracts was, was with them. And I didn't, I mean, I signed every contract they sent to me, I, because I thought, oh, I don't want to start on adversarial, you know, I'm, I don't want to start oh, off adversarial. Yeah. You know, I don't want to start like that. I don't, I'm gonna. I don't want to cause problems up front. I want to cause an argument. Well, I learned real quick that was not a smart. They don't decision. mind starting an argument. But like we'll pay you someday if we want to. Exactly, and I learned real quick. But I had a general contractor tell me anybody that he could, if he said if you sign our contract, we know you're you're not very sophisticated right. sub. And I, I mean, that just blew my mind. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, because he said, we know that this was written, you know, by our attorneys, and it's, it's all lopsided our way. And if you just sign it and don't question anything, then he said, you know, you're not, we, we that's how we kind of decided that what kind of subcontractor we're. That is a really worthwhile takeaway from yeah. here. We do have Eric Daffron on, whom you introduced me to. Yep. He uh, did an episode like the third or fourth one. But that fear of having to go through a contract, start adversarial, uh, and what you just said the generals say, that's a, if you don't get anything else out of this, a lot of contractors, that would, that can change their lives. Yeah, I, and it, it makes sense once you think about it, but I mean, I, so, I, and I learned what to look for, in con- and so that was some mm-hmm. of the things that we do, I mean, you know, indemnica- indemnification's a big deal, and you know, pay to pay, and all those contract clauses that are in there, you know what to look for, and I didn't know any of that, so I was, tra- you know, I learned a lot of that. The bonding aspects, you know, um, you know, there's different bond rates out there, you, yeah. and you can get, you know, what your, I didn't even know what EMR was, which is how they decide what your bond rate's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Those things, I like. What I, is EMR? <laughs> I really, I, 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 I know what it what is, is from the, this, not the acronym. I don't know what it even stands for, but it's it's your rating, it's your modification rating based on your safety, Exper- your experience. Oh, it's experience, experience modification rating. Yeah, yeah, experience modification. It's like for, yeah. So, yeah, and so it lowers your bond rate if you have a good EMR, and that's based on your safety and how many accidents you've had and, mm-hmm. and different things like that. And I, I didn't even know that kind of stuff. And so... Um, Education was huge for me. Like I said, so I, that's the kind of thing. Um, ASA will have a workshop on that kind of. Thing? We have on all we those have kinds a, of things. Yeah, we have a lunch meeting every month uh, that speaks about something. It's pretty general, and then we have some study groups where we get in a lot of uh, contract clauses where we have attorneys come in and yeah. and you know tell you what to look for help you understand indemnification. A lot of people don't even know what that is or how. Right. I mean, there was. When I first started, and we got a law passed, but, um, you know, there was clauses in the contract that would say, you know, if uh, I'm a roofer and if the concrete guy, you know, has an accident, everybody that's on the job is going to participate in the cost. I might not even have men at the job, but they're still going to, I mean, it's crazy some of the, the, and so... ASA was responsible for getting that changed by law. So you guys do some lobbying as well. So we do a lot of work at the Capitol. That's the advocacy. Yeah, we do a lot of work at the Capitol. We recently, um, for some reason in the contracting business, as you guys know, they like to hold our retainage. They like to hold 10%. It used to be 10%, and then ASA was responsible for getting it to 5% retainage, and that's on public law. Oh, that's a law? Huh? Oh, on public law. On public. Okay. On public. Um, And then... 
uh, last November, we were able to get that down to two and a half percent once you're fifty percent complete. That's huge. I mean, yeah. if you got a million, two million dollar job, yeah, two and a half percent is a lot of money. Yeah, and those retainage could be out there for a year and a half. Two, yeah, yeah, a year, two years, and it's yeah. it's it's wrong, but it's the way it works. And I mean, if we can keep lowering it, it helps. Um, I mean, we've done a lot of things like that. We got five percent preference on. Um, out-of-state work so like if you're on the border and uh, and all the the surrounding states have that yeah so they we got to go into their state you know if they beat us they have a five percent preference we didn't have that in meaning oklahoma. they could bid five percent more and still get the job yep. right now yep. we have that in oklahoma so that's good. asa was responsible for uh for those bills and i mean that's great so uh it's a we're talking about the oklahoma uh, chapter mm-hmm. is that what you'd call it? Chapters? Yes. Okay, so the Oklahoma chapter right now, but there are chapters in every state, or almost? a lot of states. Not every state has one, but there's. I think there's. I don't know, sixteen, seventeen. So not every sixteen state, or seventeen. Okay. I think. So maybe twenty. I don't know. So this is something that people can, if because we have listeners that aren't in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that they can join. Sure. In any place, and yeah. they would get the same. same so benefits. it costs a contractor, uh, basically, how much a month? $108. So $108 you get it's a, a college expense. education. Oh, you do. It's More a, than a college that education. That and the networking. I, I mean, the networking with outside, like we have an event tonight where we're going to have three GCs that are going to be at a, a bar, basically, a restaurant, and we divide up in three groups and we can go, I mean. Meet the subcontractors, meet, this, and they meet bring, the GCs. They, they bring their estimators. They bring their project managers. They bring those. And uh you know, you might talk to an estimator for years and feel like you know the person. I mean, you know their family and everything else, but you've never even met them face-to-face. Right. Um, What's the benefit to the generals in doing this? Just meeting subs, meeting new subs that they can have that work on their projects. And, Are and subs important to gener- oh, generals? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we, we have generals listening also, but subs a lot of times uh, kind of look at the general as kind of the gatekeeper and all that. Yeah. But they need to realize that good subs make, this is my opinion, you correct me, make a general. Oh, absolutely. It's I the think good subs, the good subs you, know that. I mean, yeah. a lot of your subs, I mean, that's why, yeah, they're willing to partner with us to, to work together because oh, we need each other. I mean, that well, which, building which brings us built one without the other. Maybe it was before we got on, but we were talking about price. Um, it oh, We were talking about bid mm-hmm. jobs. Uh but yes, it's a bid, and you think it's got to be the low price wins, but it is not. It is not just about price, because if you don't show up for the job, then it doesn't matter what the price was. The generals know that, the, I mean, it's about price, but they're not going to give the job to somebody who's not going to show up. Right, and there's, I mean, general. there's a competitive bid law, so you have to, yeah. you know, you've got to remain under, you know, the legalities of it. But I have been awarded more than several jobs that I was not low bidder on. It's best now, bid. The, it's, the, it's, the it, uh, open the bid law though pertains to states. I mean, uh, private, public, public, now, private, now, private totally can bid. different. Yeah, they yeah. can take you. Well, and there's they a lot want. of private. Absolutely. Out there too. So, but even on a public bid job, you don't always have to be right. the lowest one. Yeah, they have to have but, a reason. Yeah, they have to have a reason, but I mean, it's it's the best bid, and I mean, there's a lot of times yeah. that that I mean, you can prove that you are the best bid. And ASOK is more for the commercial side. That is correct. Not right. for the residential. That is correct. What about like industrial, like factories, and maybe maybe that's still commercial. But yeah, I th- I like pipelines. 
and stuff like that. Like, is that still part of ASA? I think so. I mean, okay. yeah. Gotcha. And then um, the if they are a, if someone is a residential contractor, do you know of any other associations that you would recommend to them? Or if not, that's okay. I really don't. I don't know the residential. I don't know. Not in that space. Okay. And residential contracting is a lot of the wild west because it's, it's, it's just it's individuals talking to individuals and yep. it's really and a lot it's a little more formal with the with it's, the commercial whatever so what uh, because you spend so much time with contractors mm -hmm. and you've been one yourself you know what it's like i'd love to get just an idea of the common mistakes that you see and i would love to even just go from the gc side and the sub side if you're okay with that but subcontractors what are the most common mistakes that you see them make you can it can be big areas you can be very granular whatever you want I'm a sports analogist so I'm gonna go with a sports analogy here but they play defense instead of offense okay and what I mean by that is it is so important in my opinion and that's where I see a lot of subs that do this or you've got to have a game plan you've got to have a you need to sit down every year and do a budget and have a strategic plan and you need to review it throughout the year so that you're always on offense because what happens if you don't you just start reacting you just you know the market changes so you hire two more people or uh, you know somebody something happens so you go buy a truck or you, you just start you react to situations you know you have an ice storm and so all of a sudden you get a windfall and of five hundred thousand dollar truck exactly and you and you cannot i can see it i think that's what a lot of people do they don't i mean martin is always uh lecturing us i guess if you will <laughs> on on knowing your break even and but it, he's right i mean if you don't know what your costs are you don't know what your break even is you'll just start reacting you just start playing defense you just start reacting to problems and you don't really i mean they're not i mean you just can't you can't make a good decision. There's no way if you're just reacting to problems that you're making good decisions. So I feel like that a lot of people don't do budgets every year. They don't have a plan every year and, and they don't review those plans. I mean, you know, your game plans can change. You know, something changes in the market, something you, you have to change your game plan sometimes. But I feel like if you stay on offense and you stay and it, the other thing it does is it gets everybody on the same, your team on the same page, you know, because if my expectations are one thing and my brother's is another and our key employees is another, you're, you're going to have problems. So, but if you're meeting, you know, I think you should do it quarterly. We're not real good about doing it. We probably do it twice a year, but to sit down and just review, make sure you're on the same page. Yep. You're, you don't, you're not then just reacting to, to different things that come up throughout the year. Because they do. I mean, and they're going to come up. But you, you kind of are all, your whole big plan, your whole strategic plan is kind of everybody's on the same page. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Do you, so uh, you said everybody. How deep down in your company, well, how far down do, you, do people know the numbers? Okay. So not just you and your brother, but your key employees, they know we're going to make this money. People, a lot of times I hear people say, I don't want everybody to know how much money I make because if then, anyway, how far uh, we down have an do people- We operations manager, we have a sales manager and a, a, a shop, a, what do you call it, foreman or whatever. Foreman, and they know numbers. Sales target. Shop no. guy doesn't so much, but the other two do. But you you don't have a huge objection if, well, or no, do you? No, I'd like to bring you in yeah. a little bit more, to be honest. I, I've got to pass this on to you because uh, 
I'd Like You to Get the Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. Have you read that? I haven't. Uh, Staking the Outcome and a Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. I won't spend a whole lot of time describing who he is. He is my hero CEO. And I got to tell you, you sound just like him. <laughs> okay? Well, thank you. Seriously. And one of his things is he says, well, you, it's just worth reading. He's in Springfield, Missouri. Um, his team's... It's a, it's a great story. He's just brilliant what he's done. But his teams all get together and decide whether or not they're going to buy a new lathe. They remanufacture engines is one of the things they do. And the teams get together. And they do cost accounting and decide. And then they make a decision. We want to buy a new lathe. We don't need it. Okay? We and do the exact same thing. There you go. We do. And so they understand. And he said they have things that they aim for every quarter. And it might be getting accounts receivable down. And he said, this is the most remarkable thing in the world when you see a guy out sweeping the shop, a janitor, haranguing a salesman walking by and said, we got the receivables down to, they're at 86 days and you need to get them down to 60 days. He said, a janitor. And he also said, I cannot bear to become extremely wealthy and sell this company out. It's a great story of what happened. And have all these people help me build it, be without a job. He said, what I want is everybody who works for me to be able to afford a house and to be able to have a family. And so he's one of these guys who really has combined it without, I mean, it's your right if you have a business to sell it and dismember it and do all those things. That's your right. But he didn't want to do that. And I'm hearing all the same that's things exactly from you. How I was. And, and you called it a game and have called it a game. And that's, that's the name of his book, The Great Game of Business. So anyway, huh, it's really awesome. I'll have to read that. Okay, so you see this, you know, very reactionary mindset in a lot of subcontractors. They're playing defense instead of offense. What are some other things that you see common mistakes? Even, you know, you kind of mentioned legal earlier with like contracts and not knowing those things and just signing away. Yeah, just signing signing contracts they shouldn't be signing, which like I said, I did as well. Sure. I learned, I learned that lesson. Um, not following up on bids, just, you know, not developing relationships with mm. these, you know, well, I, you know, I bid that job. Well, did you get it? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Well, who got it? I don't know. Yeah, what'd they get it for? I mean, yeah, what they that, You can't I, find I, that out? Yeah, I'm I, sure you can. You, I mean, dude, Tammy, it's just so awesome. What, everything you're saying, I've got a guy who, a uh, contractor who needs some work over the winter. I mean, we have a target. What to, We want this amount of jobs over the winter which is five and I said well how's it going how's it going how many bids do you have out 35 he's got 35 bids out have you talked to him well I haven't really called him back I don't want to bug him I said, well then don't bug him call him back in a way that's are you kidding me they do all the work they get the leads they go out and visit with the people they come back and they put together a bid or draw a plan bid send it out and don't call yeah, that's, just that's amazing. But, you know, back to my ASA, I'll get do a plug here. That You know, if you come to these events and you meet these people, you become friends right. with them. It's a lot easier to call them back. Right. It's a lot easier to call somebody that you've met, you know, you've had a drink with, whatever. You yeah. know, because now you're not bugging them. You're their buddy, you know. Yeah. And it's so much easier. So the relationship building is huge. You've got to know your customer. You've got to know these GCs you're working for. Mm -hmm. that's why it's important to come to these events and know these people but so many people don't they just throw a bid out there and if it sticks I mean and you know one or they'll get one out of I don't you know what the ever you know they'll get one every now and then but they could increase that by tenfold if they'll just call and 
and find out or develop the relationship with the guy to find out what their needs are because a lot of times you can find out what the needs are before the bid and have an advantage right. too so if you know these people and you can call there's a lot of things you can find out before a bid that maybe everybody don't know i know it's all supposed to be there in the specifications but sometimes there's stuff that's just not there that you can figure out what your what your uh, advantage is competitive legally advantage. i mean yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to go you know but there's there are competitive advantages and if you know the more you know about that project up front early on the more you can uh figure out what your advantage is and if you don't know those people they don't call you if you know them and you've got relationships they'll call you i mean architects used to call us and ask us for advice how do we design this how do we do this you know that's part of what our job is is to educate them as well and yeah. if they're calling you then you know about that project I mean, you just have a better a better chance of getting it. And you've yeah. got to follow. I mean, that's sales, in my opinion. I mean, you may be even if you're in the bid market, it's you still have to sell. You have to know those people. You have to get out there. You can't just throw out bids and hope you're going to. You'll get one every now and then, but you're, it's not the way to do it. A specific question, because we talk about the four areas: guiding, getting, doing, and administering the business. So, guiding is leadership, culture, all the things you've talked about. Getting is. Uh, marketing and sales mm -hmm. doing is being a contractor and getting the roof on or getting the pipe in the ground administration is everything else if you had to take a guess where would you say contractors are generally the weakest leadership marketing and sales doing in administration i'd say the best are probably they, they all know how to do it because a lot of these guys come come from another company where they worked and so they learned it so they're good at mm -hmm. doing it um uh, it varies. I mean, uh, probably probably getting is there. Well, I don't know. And administer. I mean, the follow up and getting paid is a lot of them don't do that as well. So I guess well, it and keeping varies. your insurance in line and, right. and well, keeping your what HR about books. Yeah, the books and account. I mean, that I'm I'm a little in my experience uh, with all sorts of businesses. The administration part is is just generally missing. Uh, I have to make a comment that you said you kind of have an accounting background, not mm -hmm. specifically, but I do. really successful people either have accounting. Oh, we just had a guy on last episode, and that's what he's talking about, just accounting. You don't have to be an accountant, but you have to, somebody does. Well, and you <laughs> it's have to not okay just to look at bank statements. Yeah, and you need to know how to read a, uh, a, financial. a financial statement. And that's, yeah. again, some of the things we have at um, ASA, ASA yeah. that we teach is, is to do some of that kind of stuff. So. You made another comment earlier that um, uh, you would have gotten an entrepreneurial degree. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to knock uh, universities, but I have, I went and got an MBA and I'm friends with some of the professors and I kind of laugh because, and for listeners, you don't need an MBA to succeed and an MBA will not guarantee that you succeed, so you do the math. You don't have to have an MBA. But they, teach things and, and I laugh with them because I said I dealt with over 300 companies and there's not a word in any class that I heard in 54 graduate student hours that has direct application to anybody that I deal with. Statistics, economics, microeconomics, yeah. supply chain management, MIS, you don't need that stuff. And so I always wonder what they would teach in an entrepreneurial I course. don't know either. I just know they have that degree now and I yeah. think it would be, and I don't know if it's Well, you could thing. teach it. I don't know about that either. Well, you I just we just went through the evolution from nothing to one company to selling that company to another company to finding a niche to selling that company to being executive director. I mean, it's all the things that you had to learn when you went along. Those are the things 
well, that's what you're doing right now is you're imparting that education. That's yeah. what you do at ASA. Yeah. Well, I've had a lot of teachers through the, the years that have helped me. So, yeah, I mean, and ASA well, I, is one of them. I think that's a really good point also that you're saying is, you know, ASA is really helping with the networking, all those things. But for you, you said you had a lot of teachers. And I think for a lot of contractors, sometimes they can be very um, stubborn, maybe. And they don't want to seek outside help. And ASA is something that they can find a lot of that help from. In a really natural way, it sounds like. That's a good point. That's and direct application, way. direct it application is. to them. Yeah. Well, and we have, I mean, we have attorneys. Martin's a member, so we have business consultants. We have um, accountants. We have bankers. Insurance we, guys. Insurance guys. I mean, so you have a lot of people that, yeah. and again, you become friends with them. That's how I got, you know, I that happened through ASA. Lucky, I mean, then, then later I learned, you know, if you're going to start a business, you need to have your CPAs and your banker and your lawyer on speed dial. Well, I did all those things again by luck because of ASA. I, I met those people and, mm-hmm. and they became my friends. And so when I have a problem, I know who to call and it's easy to, to take care of. And we did that's um, during the uh all this pandemic and stuff so we started a a weekly phone call i think you've been on Mm -hmm. a couple but uh with an we had an attorney on there we've had a banker on some kind of high-powered attorneys too i know we have our safety consultants on there and it was just a a hour-long call with how to you know different things that arise from covid from you know how to you know the rules on the FFCRA or whatever that thing is where they reimburse you if your employees are off the Family Leave Act. I mean, all that stuff was new. So, I mean, I don't, a lot of people, I don't know where they'd get that information. How to apply for the PPP loans. We got a lot of people, the PPP loans. I know you've EIDL. done the EIDL. EIDL. Right. I mean, we had people, and then now, um, we haven't been meeting now because nothing's happened in the legislature, but I mean, when we start doing the forgiveness, you get your banker on there to kind of help you through the process. Yeah. So it's been so, well, you know, there's so much value. So much stuff and the people listening, you can't be good at all those things, period. No. It's no. not possible. But to get help and then also, well, some people, well, to Khalil's point, some people kind of think I'm the boss and if I can't do it myself, I'm no, not, I'm I'm not really a man or a woman. I'm a control freak, but I don't, yeah. I don't want to know about taxes and all that kind of stuff. Insurance. That's fantastic. I don't want any, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. I don't like it. I, but I want somebody I trust and know to know that right. ta- I need to know enough about it to know they're not taking advantage of me. And that's important because like, even if you are stubborn and you don't worry about it, insurance, or you don't worry about, you know, talking to a banker or whatever it is is that you actually should be doing that doesn't mean that those things aren't affecting you just because you're not spending time on them just Absolutely. like just like if you're not intentional about your values inside of your business and the culture it doesn't mean that the culture's not there no there's a culture there and it there's a brand there there's all these different things sure. same thing is happening you're you're might be failing at your taxes you might be failing at your contracts you might be failing at all these things because you're not spending time on them and it's okay if you don't know it. You just need to spend time on it with somebody else. Right. And you're going to find those opportunities with ASA OK, I think. so. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, a lot of good, good mentors in that group, for sure. Teachers. Why, would, why are contractors not all 
I mean, it's maybe a stupid question, but why isn't everybody in that for 108 bucks a month of everything? You know what they tell me, which just makes me crazy, and this is probably a whole new podcast, but, you know, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. Because they're doing have, all those things that I they know, shouldn't do. I know, I just want to say, you don't... How is it ever going to change? It's hard for me when they say... And you can't get through to them until they finally realize that, right. you know, you spend that couple hours a week on on trying to improve your business and do that you would have tons more time right you know that it would save you time in the long run but i think people that's probably the biggest thing people are you know i just don't have time to come and you know what if you're not going to come and and take use the benefits it's not i mean you're still getting value because we're still doing things at the capitol that help every single subcontractor out there so in my opinion they all ought to join just for that reason because they're getting the benefits of the things we're doing but um you got to come and you've got to be a part of it you've got to meet the people and you've got but you know it's so nice if nothing else sometimes you just you know everybody gets down on it has a day where everything has gone wrong and you think i'm the only one i i'm such i'm the only one that you know can't figure out how to keep employees or I'm the only one that can't figure out how to handle this problem. And then you go and you see everybody's in the same boat. Yeah, Sometimes it's right. just a feel good thing that, that you can feel everybody's in the same boat you are. You're not a, you're not failing. You're not doing anything wrong. It's just, yeah, just that's the community. Of, yes. It's, yeah. It, yeah. And you have people to call. Hey, have you, how do you handle your PTO or how do you handle your yeah. different things? And you just... God, it just opens a whole bunch of doors of, of other people who are doing yeah. the same thing you're doing. They are, but they're in a different trade so that, you know, they may not, you can call them. They're not your competitors, but yet mm-hmm. they're still doing the same. They're still bidding work. They're still working with the same GCs. I mean, we had, I had a case that um, early on when I was in there where they, um, I was on a job and, you know, if you're in the room, there's probably four or five other people on the same job as you are. Yeah. Everybody was getting paid and I wasn't. And I thought, what's the deal? Why am I not getting paid? We hadn't done anything wrong that I knew or that they were holding our number. And somebody said, oh, who, who are you sending your uh, pay request to? <laughs> and I said, oh, I sent it, let's say Joe. And they said, oh, well, if you send it to Jim, that's the problem. Send it, Joe lets it sit on his desk. If you send it to Jim, you'll get paid. I got paid like clockwork throughout <laughs> the rest of the job. I mean, just little, little things, things like yeah. that. But that's huge. I mean, well, especially yeah. in the beginning, you need your money. If somebody's well, you thinking of not money. joining an association like that because of competitors are there, whatever it is, don't worry about it. Like, the reality is, competition's good. It's it's what keeps the markets you moving. Want your you want competitors there. there. Yeah. You're gonna learn from them. You're gonna realize that you don't have to be enemies all the time. Um, and it just it. And it you're proves that there's them yeah you're exactly a lot of times the ones that are beating you are the ones that they don't, don't know don't, their cause they don't that's what I was getting ready to say they yeah. don't they're they, there's something they're leaving out they probably don't know the insurance or you know they're not and if you get them in there they educates them too and yeah and that's what we like to do we like to think that the GCs and all those are going to look at ASA subcontractors and realize that we are the sophisticated up, the sophisticated that we know you know we are going to sign their contracts we are going to you know we're, we're going to yeah. do the things and that you know our safety is is above and beyond and we just do a better job I mean that's what we're trying to do is make everybody in the organization a better subcontractor and a better business person yeah so well, that's really great. I really appreciate you being on and for sharing so much about your life story, your your business journey, about ASAOK. I think it's a huge value that any commercial subcontractor out there and even GCs should consider joining. 
Yeah, um, GCs can't join. They're okay. partners with us. Part- well, so they yeah. should partner with ASA. Yeah, okay, they then. should partner. We are a subcontractor organization, and, and, and some are not. That's what differentiates us from some of the other organizations out there, that we are the voice of the subcontractor. Okay. So there are some... And suppliers. Yeah, and suppliers. So definitely go and look at it. If you're in Oklahoma, obviously, uh, we want them to connect with you, Tammy. How can they do that? Um, My email is Tammy, T-A-M-I, at ASAOK.org. Or we have a website. ASAOK.org. ASAOK.org. That's right. Okay. And then the national is ASA online. Okay. And there's a place on there, there's a map, and you can actually hit the map, and it'll tell you if there is a chapter in your uh, state, and if so, who to call. Okay, perfect. And that's ASAOK online? No, just ASA online. Ah, ASAonline.com or .org? .com. It's .com. Okay. Okay, ASAonline.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jimmy, for, for chatting and... We'll probably bring you back for some specific things. Yeah, I, it really is uh, fun. Uh, you can tell by listening that Tammy's the boss, <laughs> and you can tell by looking I'm very just in her eyes. She's passionate things. about it, and there's not uh, you don't see doubt and equivocation in her in her eyes. So it's really uh, this is really awesome. Yeah, well, it's fun. really really I'm, awesome. I was fun. I'm glad. I appreciate y'all asking. I me told you it'd be here. fun, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you did yeah. tell me. Yeah. I was a little scared, but you, yeah, you did <laughs> tell me it'd be fun. Well, there you go. You were scared and you showed up. I did. <laughs> you mentioned scared earlier and things too. So. All right. Well, we'll see you, Tammy. Thank you so much, and yeah, um, we'll chat with you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the Cash Flow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com. What's up, Cashflow Contractors? Khalil here. Thank you so much for getting to the end of this episode. It means the world to us that you're listening. Uh, I've got a favor to ask. So we are looking for contractors who would like to have a consult, a free consult with myself and with Martin um, for about 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, we'll basically just ask you questions about your business, about what it's like for you to work as a contractor, and then we will answer any of your questions specific to your business. Then we'll make that a live episode for other contractors to learn from, to engage with. Uh, And we think it's a great way for people to really see clear, uh, specific answers to problems that contractors have. So if that interests you at all, we're not going to share any of your information. Um, You don't even need to say your name on the episode. But I think we want to get some more of these episodes out there. And if you're willing to do that, we've got a link in the show notes that allows you to just submit a form for a consult, then we'll schedule it with you and record it, and we'll put you live on on, uh, the podcast. So if that interests you, please check it out in the show notes. If not, no worries. Or if you know someone else that you think would be interested in it, send it to them. That'd be great. But appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, we hope that you're finding less stress, more time, and more money. Thanks.